What's up, bitches? This is Morgan. And what's up, bitches? This is Perpetually Exhausted. Just kidding, I'm Sierra. <laughs> I mean, that's not a lie, but my name's Sierra, not Perpetually Exhausted. Hi, Perpetually Exhausted. I'm Dad. <laughs> 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 Together. We're this is... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, God. Okay. Yep. This is Bitches and Murders. This is this is a good sign. We've gotten it together. This is going great. Uh, I stayed up all night doing 18 pages of notes for this. So buckle up, kiddos. And in case you guys haven't caught on by now, she picks days where, like... I work a 12-hour shift into the wee hours of the night and then gets me up at way too early to record this for you guys. Which I made you, you waffles know. and coffee and I didn't wake you up until like 10, 15. Yeah, so and I cried. <laughs> so, you know, I'm doing So, great. I'm excused. <laughs> uh, that was just your warning that, you know, I'm going to say some out-of-pocket shit. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hurt everyone's feelings. I'm sorry. So, uh... This one's really close to home. Like, real, like really close to home. How close? Too close. How close is too close? Like 30 seconds from my place <laughs> of oh, employment. That's too close. <laughs> well, my former place of employment. I don't work there anymore. But that's still too close. Well, we'll get there. It's a little too close. It's so close. When I told my friend about it, they asked me if I was the one who murdered these people. <laughs> That's how close it is. <laughs> and then I was like, no, this happened in the 60s. Also, they caught him. So Okay, but I'm you know, that's a that. valid question. Sometimes we just got to check and see if you're just low-key sliding your own murders in here. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> so this is a... Uh, we're going to start out with dead people. Because you know what? Like starting out with dead people, we're going to start out with dead people. A lot of dead people. <laughs> <coughs> Okay. <laughs> so this is the Michigan murders. That's what they're is called. That what we are? That's what they're called. Whoa. So uh I thought I was in Narnia. The first victim. Oh dear. <laughs> July 9th, 1967. Nineteen year old Mary Therese Fle Flezar. Bless you. It came out more seamlessly in my head. <laughs> I I look at that and I'm like, that's not that hard to say, and then I tried and it was not as easy as I yeah thought. i like watched that whole process happen like you could see the gears turning and then just come to a screeching halt yeah i didn't uh, anyways <laughs> so she uh was a counting student at eastern michigan university hey. um and she was seen walking in the direction of her apartment ypsilanti by a neighbor that like recognized her um, and this person also saw a younger man in a blue gray chevy pull up beside her and try to talk to her two separate times so, like, both times she was clearly, like, they couldn't hear the conversation, but they could tell she was, like, turning him down for whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And she kept, like, walking away from the car. So, yeah, that was the last time she was seen. Hate it. Her body was found naked by two 15-year-old boys at an abandoned farm in Superior Township. But that wasn't until August 7th, which was about a month after that she disappeared. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's a... Yeah, Time and uh, she had to be identified by dental records because of 
obviously decomp yeah um so they were able to determine however that she'd been stabbed over 30 times all over her torso with a knife or something equally sharp um also (laughs) i wrote these notes very late at night and very early this morning so some of this is gonna get weird and i apologize not yet that's okay if it makes you feel better later (laughs) uh what i wanted to say was we're starting this with impotence what my brain almost spit out of my mouth and thank god i stopped it somehow was so we're starting with an imp also we're not it gets (laughs) it gets worse It, it gets worse because that's what I thought at first, but it no, it gets worse. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, drink more coffee. Her feet had been severed above the ankle, as well as her <sighs> thumb and parts of her hand on one side. And on the other side, her forearm had just been severed completely. And, no, and none of these parts were ever found. Why? They could also see multiple abrasions across her torso, showing that she had been severely beaten before death. Um, And they were, like, very sure that she had been raped. But, like, her body was, like, too decomped to tell for sure. But, like, based on everything, they were like, yeah, they're pretty sure. And then we find out more about that later. Cool, 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 cool. So the crime Um, scene. Oh, hate it. (laughs) Yeah, you probably should. It gets worse, though. Um, keep drinking my coffee. So the body had been moved three times in the month that it was there. So originally there was like, hidden by these trees, there was like this old pile of like cans and bottles and shit. And so originally she was like on that. Gross. Um, and then she was dragged five feet away into a field where she was just out in the open. And then she had been moved again, but like only like three feet. And then he must have been like, this is not, this this is not going well. And he just stopped. So there's that. You said this was in Superior Township? Yes. And then. Yeah, that's. uh... (laughs) And this is the part that gave me like actual shivers. Like this made me like so uncomfortable. So, like, all this happens, whatever. They do the all the shit. She goes to the funeral home, like, all of it, you know. So, her body was identified two days after her body was identified, and they did, like, the autopsy and all that fun stuff. Um, she was at the funeral home, and a young man showed up at the funeral home and said that he was her friend and asked to take a picture of the body in the coffin so the parents could have it as a keepsake. And they were, like... Bro, this is not about to be an open coffin kind of situation. How like, this is not. They didn't arrest that man on sight. Fucking oh, aggravates it, it my gets soul. Worse. It gets worse. So they were like, hey, um, no, uh, this uh, is not going to no. be open coffin. Uh, she was out in a field for a month. Um, and then he threw a fit about it. Like, he was, like, throwing a fit. He was like, what, you can't just fix her up? Like, you can't just... And they were like, no. Crazy enough, when someone's been decomping in a field for a month, we can't fix them up. And so he just left, like, after they said that. But they noted later that he was a young white male with dark hair, drove a blue-gray Chevy, and did not have a camera in his possession. Dear morticians of the world 
if you have a murder victim and a man shows up and wants to take a picture, arrest him on sight. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Especially when he doesn't even have a camera. I feel like there's about to be so many more bodies and those could have been avoided if he had just been fucking arrested on sight. Also, you want to talk about Too Close to Home? I had a ton of friends that went to EMU. and So um, did I. <laughs> I'm fairly confident that I know exactly which field you're talking about because that pile of cans, it's still there. I also got accepted to EMU <laughs> and I almost went there. Because <laughs> I got a full ride to EMU and I was like, I don't want to uh, go there. Because, yeah, it there's just, like... even closer. It, if Okay, if it's where I'm thinking of, it, yeah, there's just, like, this huge open field. I think it, it's probably supposed to be, a f- like, farm field, but, like, I don't, I've never field. seen anybody use it ever. Um, And there's, like, so there's the field, and then, like, a little bit off of it, there's, like, a mildly wooded area. It's not, like, super dense, but it's, like, enough. Uh, and then, like, right on... The edge is like this pile of cans that's just been there for fucking ever. Yeah, that no one knows like, where. Yeah, literally forever. I mean, it's probably just like homeless people or something. But you think they would take the cans and sell them? You would think, but it's just been there for fuck. And it's not like just like beer bottles. It like there's like paint cans and like pop cans and like beer cans. It's just like this giant pile of aluminum for no reason. The second murder. And I hate that I've been there. Thanks. <laughs> it gets worse. You brought it too close. <laughs> July 5th, <You> 1968. 20-year-old <laughs> art student Joan Elspeth Shell was discovered by construction workers in Ann Arbor on the side of the road partially decomposed. Too close. She was found... On Washtenaw Street, <laughs> like I said, <laughs> way too close. Literally, right down the road from my old work. That's too close. I mean, obviously, that's a little too close. Back then, it looked much different than it does now, but it—that's way too close. Very close. <laughs> way too close. So she uh. had been sexually assaulted and stabbed twenty-five times with a knife about four inches long. More on that later. So some of these stab wounds entered. This is how overkill we're about to be. Okay. So some of these stab wounds entered her lungs, liver, and carotid artery, which would have killed her likely. Another wound behind her left ear fractured her skull and could have killed her. Most definitely. Also, her throat had been slashed and then her skirt was tied around her neck as a garrote, which also could have killed her. Okay. So we're just making sure that she's like dead, dead. And then I wrote... And... And I quote directly from my notes. Oh, dear God. Which could have also killed her. LMAO. Four O's. Stop, my guy. Can we say I have a mommy complex any louder? <laughs> <laughs> okay, but you were not wrong, though. And then the next one immediately starts with, she was surprisingly not that icky for the amount of days she'd been out there. Are you okay? They thought at first. Um, and her lower half was in good shape. Uh, so, like, the bottom half of her body, they were like, this is weird. 
like I feel like she should be way more decomposed for if she's been out here for a couple of days. If, um, but the top half of her body was not the same. Uh, the top half of her body was like incredibly decomposed, and they were like, "Well, that's fucking weird." Uh, but they thought. Like, so this, like, led the pathologist to be like, okay, there's no way in fuck she's just been here on the side of the road. Also, no one has seen her body, like, out here on the side of the road for days. Right. Like, and I posted a picture already on our Instagram, but, like, it is literally, like, she was, like, six inches off of the road. Like, there's yeah, no I way she that. could have been missed. Um, So they were like, she's probably was stored in, like, a partially cool environment, like, a naturally cool environment. But then, like, the top half of her body, like, top third had been exposed to the heat. So, like weird yeah super weird there also was no blood near or under the corpse and obviously no one had seen the body like more than 24 hours in advance like it hadn't been there um and there was just some half-ass like grass clumps that had been like thrown over her like the most pathetic attempt to like conceal a body that exists so at this point they assigned four detectives to both cases full time because they were like this is clearly the same dude yeah like same mo like it's the same guy so she was from plymouth originally and had just moved into a rented house on emmett street in ypsilanti too close her roommate susan colby was the last person to see her live at a washtenaw avenue bus stop not far from where her body was found too close on June 30th, which was six days before she was found. So she was heading to Ann Arbor to meet up with her boyfriend and her roommate like walked her to the bus stop. Mm-hmm. But they missed the last bus. And so she decided that she was going to hitchhike there, even though her roommate was mm. like, no, fam, don't do that. Like, that's a bad idea. So she was picked up by a red and black Pontiac Bonneville with three white men in it. Three young white men. The worst population. <laughs> So they, you know, obviously asked her if she wanted a ride and her roommate was like, no, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, but she was like, nope, I'm going to do it. I'll call you when I get there. I'll let you know that I'm safe. Her roommate also noticed, this is important for later, that the driver was a young white male with dark side parted hair. So just we'll get into that later. Friends don't let friends hitchhike. <laughs> Which, to, in Susan's, like, defense, like, she is a grown adult. Like, she can't really force her not to go. Right. And okay. she called only three hours after this. Like, when she hadn't heard from her in three hours, she immediately called the police and was like, this is what okay. happened, and drew up a sketch. Good on you, Susan. Well, Proud she, of you. She didn't drop a sketch, but, like, she worked with the sketch artist. Yeah. Um. So the police actually did as much as they could here they tracked down 150 owners of red and black vehicles in michigan and they investigated alibis for all suspicious individuals who looked like the composite drawing so that that was good then we did not so good after that oh dear so august 18th of 1968 they announced that they exhausted their leads and they reduced the task force um they didn't shut it down completely but and they like, but they reduced it, and they also left up a reward for seventy eight hundred dollars for like information, which is like a weird amount of money. But they left that up at least. I mean, the sixties that's a good chunk of change. So, like two months later, um, two separate eyewitnesses reported seeing Shell walk with a young man down Emmett Street on the night that she vanished. 
Um, both of them identified this man as John Norman Collins, who was an elementary education student at EMU. He was also her neighbor and lived across the street from her at 619 Emmett Street. Also, fun fact, he looked exactly like the composite sketch. So the police show up. They're like, hey, my guy, uh, why were you walking with the lady who disappeared right before she disappeared? And he was like, I don't even know her. I was I was with my mom in Detroit at center line and like I didn't even come back to Ipsy until the first of July. And they didn't even check his alibi. Didn't even check it. Didn't even look. Hate that. Hate everything about it. Yeah, we get <laughs> we, we get more into that later. I need cops to do their fucking job. This is okay. This is why shit like this is why that whole meme circulated when everybody was talking about defunding the police of like, who's going to solve murders? Us right here. Us too. The white women with a podcast. That's fucking who. Doing your job better than you can. Like, assholes. seriously. So, the third murder. So, this one is like. Oh, 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 oh. I just watched one. your brain buffer. I I don't know the word for it. Uh, this one's like a weird a weird one, and we'll we'll grotesque. get more. No, it's 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 not. It's like the opposite. Abnormal? It's like much more tame, and it, it doesn't really fit in with everything else. And we'll get into why that is a thing later. Bland. So obtuse. No, you'll see. It's it's much more tame. It it really is quite boring compared to the other ones. It doesn't. Like it, it's not anything like what has happened so far. I was just having fun being a thesaurus. Tell me what happened. Okay, so March twentieth of nineteen sixty nine, Jane Louise Mixer, who was a twenty three year old U of M student, was last seen after she put up a note on a bulletin board at U of M looking for a ride to Muskegon, her hometown. So when she got there, she was planning to tell her family that she'd gotten engaged and she was moving to New York City. Aww. So oh, wait, we're talking about her. She Damn was it. found up against a grave. I also posted the yeah, I saw picture that. of this one on the Instagram. She was found up against a grave in a Denton cemetery in Van Buren Township. Unlike the other girls, she was fully clothed. She was covered with her raincoat, and she had a copy of Catch-22 next to her. <laughs> she had been shot twice in the head with a twenty-two pistol and then strangled with a nylon stocking that was not hers. She was not raped, and she was not killed at the location she was found. And she had been killed around 3 a.m., like, before she... She was found on the 21st, and she was killed around 3 a.m. on the 21st. That feels very unrelated, which is a really fucking annoying, because her actual killer is probably just, like, we'll, we'll get into large. that. Which is super fucking annoying. Yeah, so she wasn't sexual assu- sexually assaulted, but her tights had been pulled down, and her sanitary napkin had been also like pulled away from her body so that's gross um so this kind of implied sexual overtones but like obviously like she wasn't tortured she wasn't beaten she wasn't raped um but they kind of just very 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 tentatively linked this just because it was in like the right area but they were like we're pretty sure this is someone else but like it's sort of in the area so like we'll just look at it by proxy kind of a thing oh and also obviously they wanted to know who fucking did it right obviously the only way i could see it being the same guy is because like let's be real periods are still very taboo 
like very taboo. Right. So like if you pulled it so back I and was like, it was she's like on her period. going to do it and then was like, Hleh. and then it was just like, well, you saw me. You can't live. Bap, bap. But also he didn't use a gun in any of the other ones. He was stabbing them. I don't know. I was trying to like find some sort of connection. Okay. The fourth murder. So, <laughs> I don't know why I love the way that you just said that. Murder. Murder. So, four days after the discovery of the last girl's body, on March 25th, a surveyor found the n- naked and mutilated body of a teenage girl behind a vacant house on Earhart Road, which is, like, really rural. There's, mm-hmm. like, not a lot over there. Um, so, it was just a few hundred yards from where the body of Joan Shell had been found. Eight months beforehand. Um, So they noted a dramatic increase in the savagery. um, And one investigator described it as the worst thing he had ever seen in 30 years of police work. I feel like we've had that in like every case we've covered recently. Where like one detective is just like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. Dude, calm down. Yes, so uh, she died of numerous fractures covering a third of her skull and one side of her face. All that had been infl- all had been done with like a heavy blunt instrument. That's fun. Um, so she had been extensively beaten and tortured before being killed this way. Um, the killer had also put a section of her own shirt like stuffed into her trachea to muffle her screams as she got. Uh, like extensive blunt force trauma to her face, her head, her whole body, including um, super deep lacerations that they think were done with a leather belt, which imagine how hard you have to hit someone with a leather like strap to like have like deep, like inches deep lacerations. She also had welt marks on her chest and her shoulders where she had been restrained and like as he hit um, her with the belt he um also tore a branch from a ne- nearby tree don't and do it don't and you t- don't you say those words don't eight inches say what you're gonna say you- that's all that's all i'm gonna say um and blood splatter and like they could tell that this happened like pretty close to where she was found like he did it there like he didn't do it like somewhere else formal petition for you to stop covering cases where people shove tree branches of people's hoo-hahs yeah i don't know why that keeps happening i don't know how i like, find them formal petition for like you to why stop. are they attracted to me like this <laughs> i don't know it's like a weird a weird plot point that i've had to say too many times now like a weird amount of times if I had a nickel for every time, I'd have like two nickels. But it's weird Honestly, that it happened you'd twice, ha- right? You, you'd have like four nickels, which is even <laughs> more weird. <laughs> um, On a super sad note, they also saw like just signs that showed that she probably like tried to escape. Aww. Um, But obviously that did not happen. Yeah. Um, So she was identified... As a 16-year-old Romulus High School student, her name was Marilyn Skelton, and she had been hitchhiking in Ann Arbor when she disappeared. She'd been last seen alive outside a drive-in restaurant on Washtenaw Avenue two days before she was found. 
but they only show that she'd been killed like 24 to 36 hours before her death so like he obviously had her for like a little bit Mm -hmm. but not like a super long time um obviously they were like this is probably the same guy um and also it was weird because a a belt like had been tied around her neck and we'll get more into that later oh wait no sorry never mind not this girl um but yeah a garter belt had been tied around her neck and then her this time her clothes and her shoes were like folded and placed neatly beside her but also they were like yeah it's probably the same guy there's a lot of weird shit that like is lining up here yeah i just i don't i don't like i don't like it okay so a very minor break from murder (laughs) oh good um so after this murder um police from five different jurisdictions combined to like make a big task force because they were like clearly we gotta do some shit about this um so they had 20 investigators working on the four homicides. Um, so the main things obviously they noticed at first were that all the victims were brunette and Caucasian. Um, they'd all been had like a blunt instrument and a sharp instrument. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. a blunt or a sharp instrument. They'd all been found within a 15 mile radius of Washtenaw County. And each one had knife wounds to the neck. And also, they were all found with the item of clothing around their neck. And every woman had been menstruating at the time of her death. Nope, that takes back my theory about that other one, then. Yeah, I kind of forgot about that part until I just read that. And I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot that that was a thing. A weird thing. A thing I do not like. I don't know why that bothers me so much, but I don't. We either have some very unresolved mommy issues or... We got cheated on by a white brunette and we don't have the balls to kill her. So we're just going to kill everybody that looks like her. I just don't, I don't get the menstruating thing. I don't like it. That's a weirdly specific. Yeah. That just feels. Also, how do you even like find out that? Right. About someone. Cause especially back in the sixties, but I feel like even now, well, especially if I'm talking to men, like I don't really volunteer that information. Like if I'm with a girl, I might be like, fuck these cramps are killing me or some shit. But like right. with, I'm a, when I'm with men, like I'm, probably not gonna do that you know i mean it was hippie era everybody was free bleeding i think i don't know (laughs) i don't know anyway that's just such a weirdly specific detail yeah and like how 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 yeah how do you know that's what i'm saying is he like a bloodhound like can he (laughs) i don't understand but anyways they were all hitchhiking right most not all the first girl was just like walking uh, home and then like maybe he was like oh i'm gonna like stop at the drugstore do you need anything she was like i'm bleeding and he's like i got you you're dead he also could have just been weird and like at- i don't know i don't know right, how like you know to that figure out how like that's a consistent detail like how do you i hate it and how do you just find that many women that are menstruating at the same you know what i mean right. like I it's mean, just I, coincident I know that, like if you spend enough time with somebody like you'll sync up but like we're not all synced to the moon yeah like it's not all the we're same we're not werewolves <laughs> like <laughs> we're not all menstruating at the do you know 
how much murder there would be if every woman on the planet had their period in the same week. It's also weird, too, because the age of the victims is decreasing. Oh, yeah. They're, like, getting younger. Which is not super common, I feel like. Though, honestly, it could all just be, like, opportunity. Yeah. But... Because it gets even weirder. Because we're talking about the fifth murder. How could this possibly get any weirder? So, April 16th, 6.30 a.m., the body of a 13-year-old schoolgirl named Dawn Louise Basom was found um, on a roadside in Ypsilanti. She was wearing only, like, a white shirt and her bra, which had been pushed up to her neck, and she had been stabbed in the chest and the genitals had been slashed several times in several not great places and then was strangled to death with a two-foot cord that was, like, still tied around her neck. Um, She had also had a handkerchief stuffed in her mouth and, like, he obviously left her body in a place where it would be found, like, pretty quickly. But they didn't, like, find any specific evidence that she had been sexually assaulted. Which, like, maybe could just be because she was so young that he was like, well, I'm a murderer, but I'm not a pedophile. So, who knows what the fuck is up with that. Weird. It's almost like even if you murder people, you know that pedophilia is not fucking okay. Which, like, 16 obviously is not a great age either, but, like, at least it's a little better than, like, 13. Like, maybe that was crossing a weird line for him. I don't know what the fuck. Um, so she had last been seen alive at 7.30 the night, like, the day before. Mm-hmm. And she was walking home, like, literally, like, less than a mile. Like, she was walking from her friend's house to, like, her own house. Um, part of the way she had been walked to, like, she was walking with her friend. And then they, comp- like, parted company at, like, this road that was, like, not far from her house. Like, five blocks or something like that. And then she decided to, like, walk the rest of the way. And that was, like, the last time that she was seen. So, a sweater belonging to her was found at a farmhouse that was, like, just down the road. Like, on the same road that she was found. Mm -hmm. And they also found glass in the basement that was, like, also found in the soles of her shoes. And then they also found more of the cord that had been, like, used to strangle her and also bloodstains. So, they were, like, clearly this is where she was murdered. And then he dumped her, like, just down the road. Like, literally, like, 100 yards down the road. Hate it. Yeah. Now we're going to talk about the sixth murder. Dude, how many but are first, there? a bonus fact. <laughs> um, so, one week after her murder, the detectives were, like, looking through the farmhouse. And they found... Um, a piece of cloth from, like, her shirt, Dawn's shirt, the one that was just murdered. Mm-hmm. But they also found an earring that belonged to Marilyn Skelton, the victim beforehand. Oh. And these items had been deliberately placed. They were not there in the initial investigation. This was a week later, which showed that the guy had come back and purposely left those items for detectives to find. What a giant fuck you to the detectives. And on May 13th of this year, which was like mm, a month, two, month and a half later, mm-hmm. 
the farmhouse was burnt down via arson. And after the fire was extinguished, like, I don't, I'm not sure if this was like the same day or like a couple days later, like, just, I'm not sure exactly when this was. Mm-hmm. They found five clipped lilacs that had been arranged in like an even row across the driveway. Like, so they think that the murderer came back and left one for each of the what victims a so giant far. Fuck you. Dude, home dude thinks he's so deep. Like, did go fuck yourself, dude. And it's frustrating because I love lilacs, and I'm like, fuck you. Fuck you. Don't bastardize my one of my favorite flowers. Fuck you. If this does not end with him going to prison and getting like railroaded, I'm gonna hurt you. You'll see. <sighs> You'll see. So, June 9th, three teenage boys discovered. Too close. A partially naked body of a young woman in a field on it was by an abandoned farmhouse on North Territorial Road. No. That's literally the road I take to get from my hometown to our apartment. It's too close. So she had received multiple slash and stab wounds to her body, including two that pierced her heart. And a gunshot wound to the forehead before her neck had been cut through all the way to her spine. Her right thumb had also gotten a gunshot wound. So, like, she clearly, like, raised her hand to, like, block herself. And he, like, shot her in the hand and then shot her again. And she had also been sexually assaulted. um, But they couldn't tell whether that happened before or after death. Not only... Did you bring it way too fucking close to home? But you also brought it way too fucking close to home. You can't, can't do this to me. You can't have a location that I know and have it be the day before my birthday. You can't do that. It's not allowed. I forbid it. Sorry. No, you're not. Yeah, I'm not. I'm really not. Don't lie to me. I know you. Um. So, and this will be important later. Sections of her clothing were scattered around her body, but one of her shoes was missing. Like I said, we'll talk about that yeah, later. Yeah, they'll find that later. <laughs> so, this is why you made me waffles and coffee. It wasn't because you were being nice. It's because you knew you were going to fuck my day up. Sorry. No, you're not. I'm not. <laughs> Don't lie to me. Um, so this victim was 21-year-old U of M student named Alice Elizabeth Callum. And she had disappeared after, like, around midnight-ish on June 8th. She had been walking home towards her apartment on Thompson Street. Like, she'd left a friend's party and was, like, walking home. Yeah. Um, they found several bloodstains and two buttons from her raincoat at a Northfield Township commercial gravel pit on the 10th. <laughs> uh, which showed that she had been murdered there and then like taken to the other place um and they it was at this time too that the girl from before at the cemetery that they officially were like not the same guy mm-hmm. like this is not but but like <laughs> it was funny because like right before that they were like okay he definitely didn't do that one. Not that guy. But then she shows up with a gunshot wound and they're like, well, fuck. But was it that guy, though? 
And they're like, fuck, I don't think it was, but like, maybe. Maybe. So they were like, still don't know what the fuck's going on with that, but we'll get there. They were having some spicy deja vu. I titled this one, The Public Feels Icky About Murder. Who would have guessed? Wow. I'm shocked. Um, so obviously people didn't like this. Strangely enough. Um, and this was like scaring people and obviously since it kept happening at u of m and emu they were like is he a college student like you know people were like super nervous like a lot of people were walking in like the buddy system or like carrying knives and stuff regardless yeah exactly so like people were freaking out um at this time they raised their reward to forty two thousand dollars so that was a hell of a lot six to eight hundred it was uh seventy eight hundred before Oh. So, like, a good amount still, but that's a significant jump. Yeah, that's a big jump. And also, this is 1969, so, like, that's a lot of money. Everyone was murdered. <laughs> um, But they, they were, like, trying. You know what I mean? They made this task force. Um, They went through over a thousand convicted sex offenders. They... Uh, investigate over 800 tips from like Collins. Um, they ended up inv- like interviewing like several thousand suspects. Can we just what was happening in Ann Arbor in the 60s, 70s? Because wasn't the VA hospital murders that I covered way back when in like the late 60s, 70s? I think so. What that the fuck was right? going on in Ann Arbor? I'm not sure. Um, but this is. A fun fact. Um, A Dutch psychic. Do you know the meaning of fun? Hey, this is has psychics. This is definitely fun. (laughs) Say what you're going to say. So he came on over to Washtenaw County on July 21st. His name was Peter Herkos. And he was generating a psychic profile of the murderer. But... He did accurately predict that the murder was a strong white male under 25. He had been born outside the United States and he rode a motorcycle. He also led the investigators to the precise location of each body that had been discovered, despite that information never being released. And he also revealed details of the murders that the investigators had never released. Um, And then... Weirdly enough, which was also true, he predicted that this individual would act one more time, like pretty recently, and that would be it. That being said, and I titled this, it's the final countdown. Uh, Are you okay? It has a lot of ends. (laughs) I mean murder. So, the last murder was 18-year-old Karen Sue Beinman, who was also going to EMU. She was last seen alive on July 23rd of 1969. Um, Her roommate, Sherry Green, reported her missing when she never showed up after curfew. Um, And then the last time that she had been seen was around noon on her way to a wig shop. Interesting. Um, So... Three days after she disappeared. Wait. A wig shop? A wig. Wig. Fake hair. 
I heard Wick, and I was like, is that just like a low-key Wiccan shop? Yeah, I was like, I don't or even know that what just that like means. a candle shop? Like, what? But wig with a G. Fake hair. Got it. I'm back on track. Also, can we just appreciate that if I ever get murdered, I'm fucked. Because if I don't come home, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, she just stayed late at work. At a certain point, I would notice. <laughs> I wouldn't notice. I'd be like, well, I mean, she never stays like eight hours late at work. (laughs) Like an hour or two, maybe, but not that long. But at that point, it's too late. Well, I mean, you've already been murdered. That's why you didn't come home. It was already too late. (laughs) Well, like if I get kidnapped or something. I mean, I don't even live here most of the time, so (laughs) I could also go missing and you would never know. You'd be like, oh, she was probably just working a lot. She's been busy. (laughs) Been dead for like three weeks. (laughs) (laughs) We still text every day, though. That's fair. I think if I didn't hear from you for a day, I'd be like, you good, fam? Honestly, same. But... The first 24 hours are the most important, <laughs> right? <laughs> Anyways. Uh, they found her naked face down in a wooded gully on, like, uh, the Huron River Parkway. Uh, <laughs> too close. <gasps> Way too close. So she had been beaten. Of course. A, a lot. Um, on her face and her body. Um some of them were so severe that entire sections of the skin were just gone. Ew. So you could see all the gross stuff below. That's also fun. known as subcutaneous tissue, but gross stuff is honestly way more accurate. Let's be real. <laughs> um, uh, yikes. <laughs> so uh, her skull and brain had also been like extensively injured, obviously. Um, with a blunt instrument she had also been forced to drink something caustic some form of acid or Drano or something they weren't sure exactly what but something not great that burnt the inside of everything Um, I don't like your words and her neck shoulders and breasts were also burned with whatever the fuck Uh. he made her drink Um, and also another like a section of cloth had been put in her throat like again like the other girls Why? but she actually died of strangulation um though like the other things were so bad like her actual cause of death was strangulation um she had also been sexually assaulted and don't like that but this is important later so we're gonna talk about it even though I would like to not talk about it. Oh, no. So after she had been sexually assaulted, her ripped underwear had been... Stop. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Stop. Um, Never make that hand gesture again. <laughs> Let's start there. Um. So on these was semen, obviously. And they also found human hair clippings that were, like, short. Very short. Like, three-eighths of an inch short we'll talk about that later that's that's an important tool for later that we will not get into 
Um, but these were blonde and they did not belong to the victim because her hair was dark brown. And as we've talked about with all of these like eyewitness sightings and stuff, the killer also likely has dark hair. So we'll get into that. Oh, he's Swedish. No, no, it's so much weirder and bad. It's bad. Okay. He it's really bad, honestly. Bleached his pubes? It has it's not his hair. It has nothing to do with either of the two of them. It it really doesn't. The hair the hair is actually innocent, but how it got there is the fucked up part. But anyways, we'll like I said, we'll get to that. I've never been more uncomfortable. <laughs> Oh my god. Okay, so they were like, okay, he keeps like returning right. to move the bodies, to uh-huh. like do whatever. Um so they ordered a news blackout. So like they just didn't talk about this victim. And they replaced her body with a mannequin and then like put everything back the way it was and like left. So two AM the next day, one of the officers spotted a young man running away. But, like, it had it was, like, downpouring. Like, it was, like, storming really bad, which is why he didn't see him walk up. But he saw him, like, run away. But because it was raining so hard, like, his radio was, like, fucked. And he couldn't get through to, like, get to the other people to stop this guy. Oh, so annoying. I titled this one, Time to Do a Little Investigating, I Suppose. <laughs> Okay, but, like, that whole mannequin thing is low-key genius. Yeah, it was really smart. Like, like it's, like... <sighs> that was a solid plan. It's, like, the police have done a couple of... Like, they do a couple of dumb things, but, like, they really are trying. And yeah. I feel like they're trying pretty fucking hard compared to, like, most of the time we talk. Which comforts me because this is actually very close to home. Right. So, it's at least, like, these people next to us are trying. Good job. Uh, well, 50 APD. years ago, at least. I don't know about now. Uh, Anyways. Anyway. <laughs> um, so they went to the wig shop, obviously, and she was like, yep, she was here. She bought like a headband, whatever. It was 20 bucks. And, but she had noticed a young man with short side parted dark hair waiting on a blue motorcycle and wearing a striped sweater. And then when she got out, like, when she left the wig shop, she went over to this man, and he, like, gave her a ride. I forgot about the wig thing. And she said, the girl who got murdered, which this is also, ugh, hate it, told the wig lady, and I quote, I've either got to be the bravest or dumbest girl alive because I've just accepted a ride from this guy. Dumbest. Dumbest. Dumbest is the answer, yes. Um, and so this is also important later. The the wig shop lady so and I her assistant both identified this guy. I forgot about the wig thing. And if you tell me that those hairs were cut off of a wig and shoved no, up, I'm they have they have nothing to do with a wig. She didn't have a wig. She bought like a fancy headband thing. Okay, but like, like a headpiece. They were still thing. there. He could have just like sl- Nope, not a wig. Okay, hate it. It's still. real person hair. Hate it. Hate it even more. Continue. Okay. So. But I hate it. <gasps> Is it from one of the victims? No. Damn it. You're not, you're never going to guess this. You, you will never guess in a million years what it's from. <laughs> 
Um, so they used like this motorcycle thing as like a way to kind of hunt him down. And so, okay, remember like literally like the f- I can't, the first or second victim, two eyewitnesses identified this guy named John Norman Collins. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they also found out that he that guy from before that had been mentioned also rode a motorcycle very very similar to this and he did admit that he had been riding that motorcycle around and he was in the area and so um oh i also have a quote from him i forgot about this but like this guy was really popular like he was doing really well um he was an honor student like he was captain of the football team in high school but uh, here's a fun little quote that he wrote at EMU that oh we can God. just mull on for later. Oh, no. If a person wants something, he alone is the deciding factor of whether or not to take it, regardless of what society thinks is right or wrong. If a person holds a gun on somebody, it's up to him to decide whether to take the other's life or not. The point is, it's not society's judgment that's important, but the individual's own choice of will and intellect. So we'll just mull on that for later. No. Um, he also had like kind of a bad reputation. He was known for being like a petty thief and he had been like kicked out of a fraternity house from like stealing shit. Um, women who had like tried to date him said he was aggressive, short tempered, like obsessed with sex. He had already been accused of raping somebody and also been accused of like hitting women and wow i'm so surprised can you see it can you see on my face how surprised i am several of these women that were friends with him or involved with him said that he would become enraged if he learned that they were menstruating Mm -hmm. and one time he would like had he was like hitting on this girl like trying to sleep with her and then she was like i'm on my period like nah and he was like that's fucking disgusting and like left her apartment which like do you see it literally happens every month like how do you think you're gonna get a like a wife or a girlfriend or what you just gonna ship them off to siberia for a week on my face and in my voice can you tell i'm surprised by any of this information it gets better oh great when talking to his coworkers, they found that he had a particular like joy he got from describing in graphic detail the injuries that had been like happened to these women to his female co-workers mm. and he claimed this is important for later he claimed that these details had been provided to him by an uncle of his named david leak who was a sergeant in the police force mm-hmm. mr leak is very important also they this is when they started to connect that he knew all of them like even the 13 year old his um oh it was like his girlfriend had lived in an apartment complex like literally like right next to her and he was like around there like all the time um so what did the police do about this not a damn thing so they got the ladies from the wake shop to identify him in a lineup which they did um they 
also got evidence or testimonies from three other young women who stated that he had tried to get them to take a ride with him on his motorcycle, but that girl was the only one who like accepted. Mm-hmm. And they also talked to his roommate, Arnold Davis, which I'm going to get into all that when I get into the trial. Cause like there's a lot in the trial and I'll just talk about like the evidence of like the hard evidence. We'll get into that later. Okay. Okay, so now we're going to talk about the arrest, also known as time for bustification. <laughs> so, Mr. State Police Sergeant David Leake, as I told you, would be important. Mm-hmm. So that was Colin's uncle, right? Mm-hmm. So he went on vacation with his family at the same time that Karen Bindman disappeared, the last victim. Okay. And they returned home three days after she was discovered. So while they were gone, he was staying in their house. He was like house sitting and he was taking care of their dog. Mm -hmm. So he was the only one that had access to the house and had the keys. So when they got home and we'll go into this later, but they, his wife noticed that there was like paint on the floor. And then like, there was like a bottle of ammonia missing, um, like there's just a, a can of black spray paint was missing. Like things were just kind of weird in their yeah. basement. Um, as we'll get into more later. Um, so that same day, <gasps> David found was out it the dog's hair. No, damn it. Uh, they found out that he like found out that his nephew was like being investigated. They were like, yeah, we actually have like a lot of evidence against your nephew. Like we didn't really want to tell you yet, but like, yeah, we have a lot. Yeah. Um, and then he didn't tell them about the weirdness in the basement right away, mm-hmm. but he went home that day and scraped away some of the black spray paint that was on the ground and found blood underneath. And then he immediately reported it and did the right thing. He was like, okay, I didn't want to do that to my own nephew, but that but doesn't we add are. up. <laughs> so, um, obviously the forensic team came. And they found, um, like, so they found out later that the spray paint was actually covering varnish stains. It wasn't covering blood. Ow. So, like, there wasn't actually blood there. <laughs> but they found hair clippings. And um, the hair clippings, because they were like, well, that's fucking weird. Um they the lady who owned the house sandra she said that she regularly would like she cut her own her children's hair and she would do it in the basement because then it was like easy to just sweep up and like get rid of it you know was it the kid's hair oh it was the kid's hair yep oh no that's why i said the the hair was innocent like she was just cutting her kid's hair it just got there because it was like in the same he was in the same place like he killed her in the same place i don't like that but can you imagine going through life knowing that your hair, that your mom just innocently cut in the basement, was found on underwear that were, like, shoved up inside a murder victim? Mm-mm. Don't like that. <laughs> um, they also found blood stains in nine areas of the basement. Dear God. And they were discovered to be type A, which was the same blood type. And this, like, DNA wasn't really a thing at right. this point. Yeah. It's so, same blood type. Um, And then the hairs found in the basement were matched to the mm-hmm. hairs found on her underwear, mm-hmm. obviously. 
Um, and then we'll also touch on this later. But one of their no. neighbors also saw him leaving his uncle's house with a big, like, she heard screaming from a young woman. And then she saw him leave with a big, um, like, laundry basket that was, like, covered completely in a blanket. So there's that. Um, but he obviously claimed he didn't know her. He had never met her. He didn't know anything about this. He had nothing to do with it. Right. So they arrested him, obviously, because they were like, this shit, <laughs> this shit don't add up, though. This shit don't make right. Uh, so. Cool. They arrested him. So we're going to leave him there to rot <laughs> for a moment. Okay. And we're going to talk about another murder. Wait, why? I thought we were done. Or as I titled this, another murder? Question mark, question mark, question mark. We ain't sure, to be honest. Um, so around this time, because he was arrested on August 1st, like right at the beginning of August, mm-hmm. um, investigators in here, like here in Michigan, were reached out to by investigators in Salinas, California, and they didn't know what was happening in Michigan, didn't know that this arrest had been made. They didn't know anything, right? They reached out and said, hey, um, so we have reason to believe that a guy from Michigan named John is responsible for the June 30th death of a 17-year-old girl here named Roxy Ann Phillips, <laughs> which obviously happened like before the Karen thing, mm-hmm. before he was arrested. So they... Went from Washington County all the way out there to Salinas, California to, like, look it all over. And they were like, shit. (laughs) Because she had told a friend of hers before she disappeared that she had met an Eastern Michigan University student named John who drove a blue-gray car and who had, he was, like, camping with a friend in, like, a trailer type Mm -hmm. of dealio. And so they found out that on June 21st, John Collins and his roommate, Andrew Manuel, went to Monterey, California in his blue-gray car. And they used that to tow a camper trailer that they had rented under false names and paid for with a stolen check. And then he, le- he came back to Michigan alone and they found his roommate later in Arizona. Because he, like, didn't even want to come back with him. So, uh, they all, you know, met. And he was five foot eleven with dark hair. Mm-hmm. Who said he was an EMU senior who was studying education for elementary school, te- like, kids. And they were, like, like, she did a sketch, too, and they were, like, Okay, yeah, like, mm-hmm. same fucking dude. So, the 17-year-old Roxy, her naked and beaten body was found in a ravine in Carmel Highlands on Ju- July, I try to say June, July 13th, um, with the belt from her dress, which we'll also touch on later, tied around her neck. She had been strangled to death, and one of her earrings was missing. Um, And then... So they investigated the trailer that they rented. It had been completely wiped clean. Mm-hmm. Like top to bottom, no fingerprints, nothing at all. Which is not suspicious at all. 
which is like the dumbest shit like okay if you're gonna wipe something down like that do that and then take a couple of hours to just do normal things right to like put some of your fingerprints back in it you know what i mean like because that just looks so much more suspicious like we know you were in the trailer and now there's no evidence you were ever in the trailer like that seems sketchy friendly reminder uh don't just don't commit murder just don't do it well yeah (laughs) fair enough I feel like sometimes we're just like, yeah, if you're going to do it, like, don't do X, Y, Z things. Like, please don't take our advice. (laughs) Yeah. So they were like, this is definitely fucking weird. Like, this shit doesn't add up, obviously. That shit don't make right. Okay. So before we get into the trial and stuff, Mm -hmm. um, real quick, I'm just going to, like, list the victims again so we can just have that fresh in our minds. Because all of this happened pretty like close together actually so his first victim was mary flezar she was 19 and killed july 9th of 1967 mm-hmm. the second was 20 it was joan shell and she was killed june 30th of 1968 so about a year in between those um, marilyn skelton was 16 she was killed march 24th of 1969 don basem was 13 she was killed april 15th of 1969 Alice Callum was 21. She was killed June 8th of 1969. Roxy Ann Phillips, 17, was June 30th, and she was killed in 1969. And that was the California one. Mm-hmm. And then Karen Sue Bindman was 18. She was killed July 23rd of 1969. So, like, clearly escalating. And also we talked about escalating violence. Yeah. There's not much of a cooldown period there either. Like, he's just no. going for it. Because it started with, like, a year. And then it was, like, just under a year. And then it was like a month, and then it was like a month, and then it was like two weeks, and then it was like less than a month. <laughs> so, time for trial shit. Um, I'll probably go through this sort of fast. Um, just because, you know, I, I like the bloody stuff. I, I don't care so much about the trials. I'm not going to lie. I don't care about the legality of everything. <laughs> And there was a lot of information here. Like, I pared down a lot of information in this section. Like, there was a lot here. Like, they go super in detail about, like, everything that happened. Um, So, August 14th, 1969 was the first pretrial hearing um, at the Ypsilanti District Court. They heard six hours of testimony from nine witnesses. And Judge Edward Deke was like, yep, this is probable cause. You have to stand trial. Um, Collins refused to enter a plea and one of not guilty was submitted for him. Um, his lawyer tried to get the case dismissed, obviously, but that didn't work out. So November of 1969, his lawyer, Richard Ryan, had him go get a polygraph test, like just an independent third party polygraph. Um, but due to the results, he was like, hey, maybe we should do like a diminished capacity plea. Like maybe we should do like kind of like an insanity type of thing. Mm-hmm. And Colin's mother was like, no, fuck you, and fired him. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, so January of 1970, she hired Neil Fink and Joseph Lewisell, which were literally partners at the most expensive firm in Detroit. She just was like, all right, who is the most money? I want those guys. <laughs> and she literally refinanced her home to even be able to like afford it. Which she made a bad fucking choice there, but okay. Right. Um, so June 2nd of 1970, the trial officially started in the Washtenaw County Court. Um, and they only tried him for Karen Sue's death. 
Um, and he would not end up testifying at any point either. So this was the one that happened in the basement of his uncle's house. Oh, okay. So they were like, he was last seen with her. He literally took her to the his uncle's house. Like, there's evidence of her at his house. Like, all of this shit. Like, he disposed of the body. And then he tried to get his roommate to make a fake alibi, which we'll get into later. And so they were, like, obviously the prosecution was going for life in prison with no hope of parole. Because I'm pretty sure there was no death penalty in Michigan at that time. I'm not sure that there even is a death penalty in Michigan right now, to be honest. I don't think so. I don't think so either. Uh, So uh, the main issues were obviously the fact that there was a lot of eyewitnesses. But, like, there's a lot of solid evidence that we'll get into that it was like, hmm. Yeah. So, like, just a little example of, like, the evidence against him. So, here are, like, some of the witnesses. Two of her roommates that, like, described her meeting up with him. The guy who found her body. The medical examiner. The sheriff. The wig store owner and her assistant. Who, like, they tried every which way to, like, get these people to trip up on their story. And they never did. They were like, nope, it's absolutely him. Mm -hmm. They were, like, unshakable. His roommate, who saw him move a laundry box full, like... He was, like, being really secretive about it and, like, weird about it. And he, it was full of women's clothes and, like, jewelry. And he moved it from their apartment to the trunk of his car two days before he was arrested. Don't like that. Don't there was like also the neighbor, like I said, who saw him leave his uncle's home with, a like, right, the laundry basket laundry covered basket. with a blanket. His aunt, who testified against him, saying she had given him a key. She also testified that she cut her children's hair in the basement two days before and noticed that things had been moved when she got back. And she also testified that she found an entire bottle of ammonia missing and she found a wet, ruined cloth with hair in it by the laundry sink. They also had forensic experts who verified that there was nine blood stains found in the basement that matched her. An expert who matched the hair clippings from the basement to her underwear perfectly. And a second expert who independently confirmed this match. And it didn't take too long the trial ended august 14th and the jury deliberated for 27 hours before deciding that he was guilty of first degree murder on the 19th okay but like you never leave things on like a yay they got arrested oh we're not done yeah, we have see, more this is why i don't trust you uh this one's called time after time dear god i eat prison time are you okay no <laughs> um so he didn't say anything at all in the courtroom even though everyone was like Holy shit. Like, it was a big case, obviously. Right. Um, and he was sentenced to life in prison without parole. So when he was sentenced, the judge asked if he'd like to address the court before, like... Because they were like, okay, you got life in prison without parole. Do you want to say anything before we, like, tell you, like, finalize all this shit? Right. And he said, I have two things to say. I think the jury conscientiously tried to give me a fair trial. The jury did not take its task lightly, but I think things were blown out of proportion. The circumstances surrounding this case prevented me from getting a fair trial. It was a travesty of justice that took place in this courtroom. I hope someday it will be corrected. Second, I never knew a girl named Karen Sue Bindman. I never had a conversation with her. I never took her to a wig shop. I never took her to my uncle's home. I never took her life. <laughs> to which the judge said... If that was the case, I'm sure we'll solve it in time. 
and then sentenced him to life in prison with hard labor and solitary confinement at a southern at at the southern Michigan prison, so which is a weird name for a prison. Um, he tried to appeal his case four times and got denied every time. They also tried to extradite him to California at one point because, like, they had a lot of physical evidence. But they were like, eh, he's already in life in prison without parole. So, like, we're just going to let it go. Right. So where the fuck does that leave us now is what the next section is called. <laughs> oh, jeez, of course. So although he was never tried for the other cases, that doesn't mean that there wasn't solid physical and circumstantial evidence um, that exists in all of those other cases, which is what we're going to talk about now briefly so for mary flizar he worked literally right next to her like he had the office directly next to hers oh good and the necklace that she wore the day she was dying like the day she died and like that she wore all the fucking time was found in his room he forgot to get rid of that when he got rid of everything else with joan shell um obviously he was the driver of the car and identified as the driver of the car and he was also identified walking with her later alone also his roommate my man arnold davis was in the car when they picked up joan shell oh jeez! and testified against collins saying yes she got into our vehicle yeah and the two of them left together and then i did not see him for three hours he also testified that when Collins returned to their apartment, he was calling Shell a bitch and told him that he had dropped her off after she wouldn't sleep with him. Even though she was literally traveling to go see her boyfriend. Like, of course, she's probably not going to fucking sleep with you. Right. He was also carrying her purse, saying that she had left it in his car. And his roommate, like, thought that he had murdered her, like, that day. Oh. But he was afraid to, like, report it to police because he was afraid that Collins was going to kill him, too. That's that's fun. In the case of Alice Callum, Arnold Davis, my man, also told police that he had been with her, that Collins had been with her the night that she died. They were arguing in their apartment mm. and she ran from the apartment and Collins was chasing her. Oh, of course. When he returned hours later, he told Arnold Davis to hide a knife for him. Which the roommate then gave to the police and perfectly matched the wounds on her body. Her body also had a boot print on the skirt that was a perfect match to his boots. And there were bloodstains in his car and on his raincoat that matched her blood type. And if it wasn't enough, that shoe that we mentioned was missing. Oh, yeah. It was a purple leather shoe. A very distinctive shoe. Yeah, that's specific. And Arnold Davis saw that shoe. In the laundry box full of shit that he took out to get rid of. In the case of Roxy Ann Phillips in California, her friend obviously like said she met an EMU student, elementary education named John, right. who drove the vehicle that was spotted. She had also been strangled with a belt from her own dress, but it had like a very distinctive pattern, and part of that belt was found in the trailer. <laughs> of course. They also found a sweater with 22 pubic hairs that matched her that was hanging in his closet, which they think it wasn't like anything weird. Like when he was moving the body. Yeah. Like just he like had his arms around up. her. Yeah. And she was also found in a big thing of poison oak. And he convinced, coincidentally, 
visited a Cali hospital before he left for super, super bad poison oak, like mm. anaphylaxis. Like, it was, like, bad. Wow. That matches up, doesn't it? But for years after his conviction, his mother and siblings and friends all believed he was falsely accused and would visit regularly. Um, his family won't speak to the le- like uh, the leaks what? anymore because they testified against him. Um, and like this is a dick move for a lot of reasons, but also like everyone testified that like in court, like she was like v- very distressed. Mm-hmm. Like his aunt was like devastated, and like many times, like she also said like. He was, like, one of my sons. You know what I mean? Like, he was so fucking close to me. You know, like... So, this wasn't... It wasn't, like, an easy thing for them to do. Right. Like, even his uncle was, like... Like, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt and didn't, like, report things for the first, like, day. Mm -hmm. And then even he was, like... Like, I can't let this slide, you know? Um... So, for years, he wouldn't grant interviews, but he did do one interview with the Ann Arbor News about six years after his conviction. He basically just said, like, all of it was fake, the jury was biased, the evidence wasn't real, blah, 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 dumb shit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, October of 1977, he was transferred transferred from the Southern Michigan prison to... It, <laughs> I hate that name because it sounds like... Like, they're referencing, like, a vague prison. Like, yep, like, just, it's a prison in southern Michigan, but, like, that's literally the name of the prison. I know. I hate it. I hate it saying it. Makes my brain hurt. Anyways, so he was transferred to the Marquette Branch Prison, which is, like, a higher security prison, Mm -hmm. because he was dealing drugs, and he got caught, like, up in, like, an escape plan, Mm -hmm. which was dumb, because he didn't even get to participate, because he had a broken foot. (laughs) But, like, he still got in trouble and got (laughs) shipped off. Um, he was also caught in another esta- escape attempt in Marquette with six other people, uh, January 31st of 1979. Dumbass. So in 1980, he was on some straight fuck shit. <laughs> and <laughs> he changed his last name to Chapman after his biological dad. And this shit was like weird. So his biological dad is a dual citizen of the United States and Canada. And so that like gives he could get like dual citizenship because of it mm-hmm. and so then he was trying to get can like transferred to a canadian prison because their sentences are different so he'd be able to get out on parole after only nine years yeah no honey bunny it got approved <gasps> shut the fuck up but then the media found out and there was like insane backlash they were like absolutely fucking not yeah. and they reversed that shit so goddamn fast okay good and he tried he literally tried to appeal that like nine times no and he got denied every time and then in 1988 they like officially decreed that he could never ever try to appeal that again he would like he is stuck no. in michigan he cannot leave um so August of 1990, he was transferred to the Ionia Correctional Facility. Mm-hmm. Um, he was just as shitty there, so they ended up shipping him back to Marquette because it was higher security. And so he's still in Marquette, and he's in administrative segregation to this day. Um, he still claims that he's innocent. Um, this part says, though in 1977, he had refused to do another polygraph when it was offered. And then parentheses, I wrote, probably because they wanted to do it public. Plus, like, he's guilty as hell. Right. <laughs> um, 
And then, like I said, that I would touch on July 11th of 2005, mm-hmm. a 62-year-old Gary Earl Leiterman was charged with Mixer's murder, the girl in the graveyard. Oh, the graveyard. Um, and he was sentenced to life in prison without parole. Okay. He had lived super close to U of M and he was found guilty after, um, in 2001, they processed DNA that they got off of her tights. Gotcha. And it was his like DNA. Okay. Um, so that was solved and he is also in prison without parole. Good. Um, and then just this, that, that was the last I had, but I do have a couple of like books to check out if you want to like know more about this shit do you want to go to marquette i just want to talk <laughs> <laughs> i just i just want to have a conversation i just want to talk i'm kind of mad they made a movie about this it's called now i lay me down to sleep um how have i not heard of it it's unreleased they never released it even though it was filmed in 1977 and i'm mad Fuck. about it I'm mad. this is like that movie trailer last night all over again very disappointed and there there's been a couple of books um something i want to read um so in 2016 gregory forner um published taryn ypsilanti john norman collins unmasked um the book that the movie was based off of is called the michigan murders mm-hmm. it's by edward keys he wrote it in 1976 and i heard that one's like amazing like that's the one i really want to read okay um and then uh, Trevor Marriott in 2013 also published one called The Evil Within. There is an interview from October of 1988 from a Detroit talk show called Kelly and Company. Mm-hmm. Um, and that one showed prison interviews with him. And also they did interviews with like police and stuff. Right. Like That was really interesting. I found clips of that online to like write some of this. And also ID Channel did an episode on this. So there's all that fuckery. Yeah, that was a... I wasn't ready. Too close. Now I understand why you made waffles and coffee this morning. I'm so sorry. No, you're not. I'm not. Stop lying to me. I don't know how I find these things. You, I did Stop finding things with tree branches. That is my one request of you. I make no promise. I like trees and I like nature. And every now and again, I want to go on a nature walk without hearing your voice bubble up in my head. Yeah. I don't know how this keeps happening. Like, how do I? There's I don't know. It's a talent. Like, what a weird niche thing. <laughs> it's a really weird niche thing. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> this is why we can't have nice things. This is why we can't have nice things. Absolutely no nice things. <laughs> So, yeah. <laughs> Follow us on all the things. Uh, You guys already know the drill. Facebook is Bitches and Murders. We have a Facebook group if you want to come hang out and share some spooky memes. Talk about well, whatever. I don't care. Um, We have a Gmail. A G- an email? Fuck me. Uh, BMMurderspodcast at gmail.com. If you would like to validate Morgan's existence, because for whatever reason, she loves it when you guys email us. Uh, Twitter is at and murders. I am the one in charge of that account, and I am so sorry. I'm not even going to explain. I'm just, I'm sorry. Uh, Instagram is bitches and murders podcast. Uh, yes. 
Patreon, if you want to donate to our Patreon, because if you get on our Patreon, that also gets you access to our Discord server. And bonus episodes. And bonus Some episodes. of which are yeah. bad. There's I'm a so lot sorry. of bonus content on there. But I apologize. Uh, yeah, I think that was everything. So stay spooky, but not so spooky that you fucking shove tree branches up people. Just stop. Stop being that spooky, please. Formal <laughs> petition to just eradicate trees at this point no i love trees just stop shoving them in places they don't belong just leave tree branches to the trees yeah my guys just we are bitches and murders and we speak for the trees (laughs) new merch idea (laughs) please that's happening literally today okay (laughs) it has been decided so uh you can check our uh it's definitely on our Instagram. Oh yeah, the, Maybe? the merch store. Yeah. It's linked on everything. And it's definitely on Facebook for sure. Yeah. And I'm sure it's on Twitter. I'm sure it's on Twitter. Um but yeah, check that out. So that's gonna be going up today. <laughs> definitely by the time you read this, that will exist. By the time you re- do you wanna try that again? By, by the time t- you listen to this? You're so pretty. Let's just just because I'm deaf and I have to read everything, I guess, does not mean that everyone else does. <laughs> Let's just wrap it up. Uh, okay, stay spooky. Okay, stay spooky. Okay, bye. <laughs>